Welcome to the Pin Leader Podcast, where strategic leaders get straight to the topics, strengthening our awareness and sharpening our minds. The Pin Leader Podcast is produced by Roar, a production division of Maze and Associates LTD. Find out more at www.mazeassociatesltd.com. Now here is your award-winning host, Dr. Shan DeGore. Thank you, and hello, everyone. Very excited to be able to host today um, for our Pin Leader podcast. And I'm excited because we have a wonderful guest with us. Uh, today I have with me Dr. David Struckel. He's the director of Burton D. Morgan Center for Integrated Entrepreneurship at Hiram College. Dr. Struckel has a number of degrees. He has a BAS in radio, television, film from Bowling Green State University and a master's in education with a focus in career technical education from Kent State and a PhD from BGSU in media and communication studies. Um, I'm excited to say that uh, he's been in, I think, uh, is it higher education for more than 20 years. Uh, and I, I, I can't speak enough about all the work that he does and, uh, and who he is and just knowing him, uh, working with students and how excited I know that they are to work with him. So I, I have with him to talk with me today. Dr. Struckel, are you on? Yes, I am. Excellent. Excellent. So there's a topic area that's been going on, uh, trending small, but impacting big. And when we talk about businesses and the creation of businesses, I don't know if you know this with the trend, but being over the entrepreneurship, uh, actual, the center, there have been a number of businesses created in the U S census bureau, you know, stated that, uh, 2019, we had like 3.5 million business applications that went in. And then 2020, there were 4 million. And then 2021, it, it jumped up a whole million to 5.38 million business applications. And then 2022, uh, we saw a slight decrease down to 5 million, but that's still extremely high. And are you seeing that actually as an interest with the Entrepreneurship Center? We're fairly steady. First of all, thank you for having me on, Dr. Gore. It's a pleasure and an honor. Uh, I, I would say we're having pretty steady numbers, but I think those numbers reflect some of the COVID uh, impact. I, I will say that I think what we saw were was a lot of people trying to reinvent things or trying to think of ways to generate income that they couldn't leave the house or couldn't leave wherever they were uh, and taking their businesses online. I'll say that I have one first year student right now and I'll say her name is Tiona and she and her parents started this custom made jewelry business. And Tiona is an awesome student and she came in here and she's already declared to be an entrepreneurship minor, wants to get a major in business but through making her own bracelets, necklaces, what have you. And she's done multiple fairs and whatnot. She has her online store, online presence, and she makes enough money to cover her tuition. That, that's, wow, that is amazing. Isn't that crazy? And But when I we just had a venture fair like a week ago, and she had a whole store set up with, that she brought in with like, it looked like a real department store display in her lobby. 
And I was just blown away. But she is one of those people who are just extremely passionate. But I, I think that 2020, 21 COVID year kind of helped people see like, okay, how can I be a success even with the incredible obstacles of a worldwide pandemic happening? So I, I do, I, I think those, that's, those statistics really bear out uh, what's going on right now. And I, I think that agrees too, that now that we're kind of getting back to normal, uh, I think it also reflects too, some of the global inflation that's hit as well. So mm-hmm. I, I think your dad was on point there. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, it's interesting because of the whole COVID, COVID mm-hmm. changed so much. And I did read uh, that there was a number that I know the economist uh, reported that uh, people were one motivated by, unfortunately, by losing jobs. And then the, the the second was that they got more motivation because they leveraged stimulus checks that came in to financially help them start. And I think it's interesting. Some did that, some of them did not, but that's what the economist was reporting out that they were leveraging it. And I, that, Oh, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a great point because yeah. what did they call that era after the pandemic, the great resignation? Yes. Because yes. a lot of people were saying, Hey, I don't have to deal with this nine to five stuff anymore. I, I don't like my job anymore. I'm going to be my own boss and start my own business and do whatever. So yeah, that also was a big impact of the pandemic. And now it's caused people to come up and say, Hey, this is a good a time as any to kind of reassess where I am in life and think about what's my next step, you know? So good point. Well, I was wondering too, I mean, what the economy driven that you hear about, well, small businesses drive the economy. Well, it's also reported that it's 44% of the U.S. economy is small businesses. And I think when we're talking about we may be trending small, but we're impacting big, that's a big impact on the economy. Oh, a huge impact. Yeah. Uh, I think we've seen a lot more awareness to small business uh, ownership, especially the last several years when we've had like Small Business Saturday, Shop Small, these kind of events. Uh, the when also like when you see people like go to big box stores, they have self checkouts and all that kind of thing. I, I think people crave like the one-to-one attention, the small business impact, getting to know the person behind the business. Uh, I, I think that's also an impact that that's been there as well as time has gone on. Well, uh, you know, when you talk about uh, the dedication to entrepreneurship, so in other words, we've got a whole generation of new entrepreneurs that are coming on board. I mean, 4 million business applications, 5 million business applications a year. And, you know, there's some statistics, well, and and it's actually a myth, according to what uh, the research is showing. It used to be that they said, well, 50% of those businesses would fail. But statistically, they're showing now uh, from the U.S. Small Business Administration that 70% of businesses are actually surviving beyond two years, Mm then 50% beyond five years, 30% beyond 10 years, and then 25% beyond 15 years, which is a a lot different than the 50% I remember uh, way back in school. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that number's gone up quite a bit because we've seen in like old business books that usually that first year to two years was you're on death watch almost from the time you get out and you're like, Oh my gosh, how do I survive the first year? Oh my gosh, I made it through year one. Well, I make it through year two, but 
those are encouraging numbers. And I, I think it's people wanting to stick to it. Uh, I've seen the trend here too at college in terms of students when they come here and they'll ask like, and I'll say, hey, what do you want to do for a living? Well, I want to be a, a public relations consultant or I'm going to go into athletic training or what have you. Now, in the old days, the thing would be, I'll get my sports medicine degree. I'll go work at a gym. I'll go work for an orthopedic office, whatever. And now it's like, hey, you can be your own private personal trainer or, hey, you want to get an accounting degree? Hey, the only option isn't to go to work at H&R Block or the other tax services or whatever. Hey, you can do your own accounting. You can freelance it. Oh, hey, you want to be a photographer? Well, hey, you can shoot weddings. You can do sports events. You can do work for schools, whatever. So now that we've seen over the last several years, that dream of going to work doesn't have to be, hey, I need to work for an agency. I need I, I need to work for the big company. No, you can start out small, work for yourself and build your brand. That's a very popular thing. And, you know, then people come to you. So I think that's flipped a lot, quite a bit. And we've talked about this a lot with our students as well, is that whatever you do online, that's making an impact on your future right now. So start building who you are your identity. So by the time you become a senior and you start applying for jobs, you can direct people to say, well, here are my examples online or here's who I am. Um, that has a huge impact on identity and your chances of getting work. Well, can you talk a little bit more about brand and identity? That's a very good point. I know I was having some comment. We do business coaching as well. And I, I, I've had a number of individuals through our years of just working with businesses or individuals who want to come in the door to, again, to start their business. And I'm noticing brand, again, the conversation more and more about your brand and identity, but brands also change. I'm noticing too, that some individuals start off with one brand and then they change brands and then they wonder how their business is actually being challenged because they didn't realize, well, my brand's changed. What's a whole other target audience that you're working with too? So uh, mm. yeah, can you talk about uh, the social media and uh, the impact that you're seeing, especially with those are one, there are students out there because that's a whole other level of students going to school and they go to school to get a job. Well, you're talking about students going to school, but really learning to work for themselves to be maybe a sole proprietor or to work for them, you know, for themselves. But this brand piece has to be clear. Can you talk a little bit about how to build some of that brand or what you teach with trying to help those get started? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So the most difficult thing I think we run into is that we are raising digital natives. They've had a phone or some kind of technology from the time they've been infants like you and me not throwing out numbers or ages like we grew up in the analog era where what we did in real life happened in real life we didn't broadcast it to anybody we didn't tell people what we had for breakfast lunch and dinner or where we went on vacation that day or whatever you know you might share pictures or hard printed out pictures these students pretty much when they've grown up or been little their parents have put them online since they've been little. And then as soon as they got a phone or had a social media account, their day-to-day -day life has been out there. So a lot of students will blur the line between real life and their online life. And 
I think the biggest challenge we have with the youth of today is saying, okay, it's good to share, but let's be careful about what we put out there. Um, as much as I love a good political debate and love to engage in people and I have strong, passionate feelings about things, I limit myself to some of the online chatter I get into because whatever you see online can be permanent. And we see this a lot now with businesses. If you make one mistake, you're a bad Google review or a bad Yelp review or whatever from having serious damage done to your business because a lot of times, and these students are very savvy, hey, let's try the one restaurant rather than talking to a friend about, hey, well, what's the lasagna like over there? Hey, what's their Yelp review? What's their Google review? How many stars do they have? They'll immediately check that. So online um, identity, online posting, all that is a lot to what your business is now. And so we're trying to tell students that or make them aware of people will form an impression of you before they even meet you or talk to you. They might say, hey, I saw this about you online. Is that true or whatever? Or they might already be have their mind made up before they've met you or have some preconceived notion about who you are based on, could be a handful of bad reviews. Could be just someone who might've had an off day and they just came in and had just one random bad experience with you. And you're like, wow, did that really happen? So we do a lot of education and instructing the younger generation now of how important that online presence is and just trying to stay positive and, you know, put a good outlook out there. Um, I, I try and do that with like my LinkedIn or my Facebook. Like I don't post a whole lot of negative stuff. Um, I post a lot about sports, occasional piece of pizza I have, whatever. So I don't want people to get the wrong idea about me once they meet me. They might be, oh yeah, you're that guy who loves the Miami <laughs> Dolphins. You're that guy who whatever. You, you you just can't afford to have someone already have that bad impression of you before they meet you. Um, so that's that's why I try and tell students. I can't remember the survey I saw where it said that I think 75% of HR directors, they might get your resume before they screen or at least forward names on for an interview. 75% of them will go to uh, social media to see if they can find out more about you. Yes, 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 That's, yes. That, now, yeah, so, I, I don't know if it's 75%, but it's fairly high. It, it was a high number. It yeah. was high. It is high. And I've, you know, our firm works with so many uh, HR professionals that mm -hmm. this is a topic area. It is definitely an area that, uh, it, and unfortunately, even after the fact, it can impact employment. But again, yeah. that's with if you are uh, an individual seeking leadership position and mm -hmm. you're within going into an organization. But let me just say this. We're also in a situation where if you're going out on your own with entrepreneurship and I think, mm -hmm. you know, you've probably seen this when you have all your alums come back to speak to mm -hmm. the students. Can you talk to what you're seeing with those that have been actually working their leaders and what they're advising when they come back to talk to students? Oh, this is a great question. And a lot of the advice doesn't really float along, float along the social media lines. We've got one person who graduated from my colleagues, one of my colleagues' classes years ago, and he now runs several co-working spaces. He started a doggy daycare business in Cleveland that's expanded. He's doing really well. And he comes back, his big advice to students is make your mistakes early. Um, get out there and go, you know, 100% all out in your 20s. 
And he said, it's a lot easier to recover from a big mistake when you're in your 20s than if you recover, if you make a big mistake when you're 40, you're 50, whatever, because that you're, you should be thinking about retirement near the end. So he, his advice has always been, hey, do as much as you can, taste as much of the fields that you want to think about getting into while you're young and, you know, get enough experience and try and see what works, what doesn't work when you're young. Don't do that when you're in your 40s and 50s, but figure it out early on and make those mistakes because, like I said, it's a lot easier to recover when you're younger. Um, that's a good point because you're talking about really time, um, time oh, yeah. being that. So one of the pieces that I know, I've got a number of, uh, we've had a number of clients actually who are starting their businesses, not in their 20s or their 30s, but they're starting them in their 50s. They're starting that's them, <laughs> that, you know, second half of their life. Uh, and I know you've run a business in the second, I'll call it the second half, but in the you know, in the fifties where you just mentioned, well, think about retirement. Well, at this point, no, I, um, individuals are not thinking about retirement. They're thinking about this next stage. Talk to your own personal experience, because again, you started a business and, and you're in your fifties and I know you've made some mistakes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So, and we, we kind of fell into by accident. So my fiance, Kim and I, we adopted three horses when Kim's mom passed away and the horses were on a really small barn on her mom's property. And so rather than give her horses up, Kim, who grew up in 4-H and did horses and shows and all that, she said, I want my horses. So she adopted the three. And at that time, we were living in like a suburban residential area, and we couldn't have the three horses in our backyard. So we put the horses at boarding barn, mm. like 20 minutes away from the house. So Kim would pay basically monthly rent for the three horses, go out to the barn to train, ride them and whatever. And she would come home and I was making an hour commute to work. And after a while we were just getting tired. The commute was getting old for me. Oh, yes. She was getting tired of driving 20 minutes just to go work out her horses for like 90 minutes and come back home. It's like nine, nine 30 and we're eating dinner. It's like, this is not the lifestyle. So we started shopping around from for houses and we came across one that was a lot shorter of a commute to work, had a 13 stall barn that was like move in ready. So we got it and Kim, who's in IT, built a website and put it up in like a day. The next thing you know is that the next day we get a phone call saying, hey, we saw your barn on Google. Uh, can we come over? We'd like to bring our horses. So within a week we had four horses right out the start for wow. people who wanted to board. That's a launch. That's a it, launch. It was, yeah, it was baptism by fire for sure. And so we did that with like not a lot of leeway. I mean, we had horses on our barn before we, we even had our LLC in place. Mm -hmm. So that was crazy. Uh, definitely not the recommended way to start a business, <laughs> but, but we've learned a lot over the first year. Like we learned about how to deal with customer issues, how to deal with supply stuff. Uh, and all of this was going on during the inflation, like, cost of sawdust, lumber, things we needed to, you know, build onto the stalls, whatever. Um, we, we dealt with a lot in the first year, year and a half. So, um, yeah, typically you would do your research, find out who your customer is, uh, see like if you, your business can be sustainable, you would see who your how you could promote your business, all that kind of stuff. See who your competitors are, you know, do your traditional SWOT analysis, 
so we we just jumped into it and uh and see that's that's like a, again you we were talking about jumping in that that not even having the llc people have yeah. ideas and i i think it's clear about what we're talking about here are that is a way of life now that you've incorporated into every day that job that role that business impacts you am i right oh for sure i get home from work here and like i get out in the barn i'm you know cleaning stalls every night this morning i was up at five and i'm cleaning out dry lots from a horseman or kim gets up she does the feeding in the morning and the evening as well and you know in bet- before she does the night feeding she's working out her horses in the arena. So yeah, it's, it's definitely a second life outside of our normal work. So for sure. That's a great point too, is that if you have the dream to start a business or a side hustle, please put the commitment into it. Don't, you can't half bake it. (laughs) You, You have to be ready to either go all in or, you know, sell out or just not do it. Um, because if you're not going to sell out or not go all in, your customers, your clients, they will realize it and they'll, they'll, they'll read up on it and they'll just say, wow, I don't think their heart's in it. You know, let's, mm-hmm. let's go somewhere else. Well, I, uh, I think we're talking about a distinction between a, uh, it's funny, you use some of those terms uh, with the, the side hustle. I, I also call it hobbies. There are individuals mm-hmm. that have They've got hobbies. This is something they enjoy to do. Um, it's they have a passion for it, and sometimes the hobby helps offset the work that they're dealing with in the rest of their day, right? So, oh, yeah. and maybe you know they work, uh, they're working nine to five, or they're working in an intense role, and this the hobby, which they could potentially be making money off of, maybe not. Um, and so that I, I would also recommend as I know we, when we work with business coaching is take a look to make sure the distinction is it, is it can be a profitable, can it sustain and knowing that there's going to be some, uh, some roadway runway, uh, before you're taking off where you're pulling your own owner's distribution and being able to pay yourself where you don't need to have both. And there's a fairness too. There are individuals working 80 hours. They're working their 40 hours or maybe 50 hours uh, in one job. And then they're turning around in 20 to 40 hours in the other job. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we definitely do that. And you made a great point too, about kind of looking at long-term or maybe taking the view from 20,000 feet. So when we moved into our current place with the 13 stall barn, there was not an arena next to the barn. It's pretty standard for a boarding business to have a riding arena. So we looked into getting a, an arena belt. So we got an arena belt for like $160,000. So we're on a long-term payment plan for that. But at the end of 10 years, we make one final payment and that arena payment disappears. Uh, So then we totally own it. Mm -hmm. So guess what? every month that we would be making that arena payment after 10 years, all of a sudden that goes in our pocket. Mm-hmm. So we're looking forward to that time, 10 years down the road. <laughs> well, that, you're hey, talking about long-term investment. That's where, I mean, oh you're going to, you're in it, not just for four or five years, you're on that statistics to be in this business beyond 10 years. Correct. Yeah. So we're looking forward to that. I mean, we're already two years in, so 20% down already. And we're thinking of, Hey, at year 10, we make that final arena payment. 
And all of a sudden, we're, we're generating some serious revenue that's going back at us rather than us kicking it out to the people we have the arena build. So, yeah, we, we definitely thought long term. Well, that's a, another piece of understanding as it turns into it's an asset uh, in understanding what you've got in the in the business. What you, what's your investment look like? What's your owner's investment? I, I will say this. It is amazing uh, how getting into business, people say, I didn't realize how expensive it was to become an entrepreneur because there is some startup costs uh, and looking for you know, ways to get those funding. And there's, I've seen GoFundMe pages, depending, you know, with um, angel investors and different ways. I, you know, thinking about that in your, in your thought and process, because again, you run an entrepreneurship uh, center. So this is the heart, this is the core of getting those that are interested in working for themselves, Mm -hmm. running a business, being a leader, uh, showing the strength of endurance and uh, being sharp in their industry and then keeping on a pathway, having a plan. I'm, I'm big on planning. Mm-hmm. What is it that you're, uh, you know, what you see or what you recommend? And uh, for those that you mentioned, the alum coming back and giving advice, uh, you know, for those that are entrepreneurs, what what is it that you would say some of the first things that you need to get yourself prepared for um, when you're starting to start a business. Uh, think about what your expenses will be. Uh, for example, in our class, in one of my colleagues' classes, we give students, groups of students, like $250 of seed money, or that's available to them. So when they start their uh, class project, which is like a business, like we've had students do custom T-shirts, we've had some do brownies, what have you. Obviously, the less seed money that you burn through, uh, that's good because it just means more money that you generate. But if you take out, like, use the $250 seed money, you have to pay that back back by the end of the semester. But once you pay that back, whatever you get on top of that, you keep. So we have, like, say, one group of students, and they're so savvy. They nickname or they call their business Sticker City. So they make custom stickers for, like, your – iPad covers, your phone cases, what have you. And they've designed like different variations of like the Hiram College Terrier logo. They've made some for like farm animals. They made a breast cancer awareness month, um, like a pink terrier with a football, what have you. And so they've generated several hundred dollars in revenue. I'm like, how are you doing this? And so they've made use of our print shop on campus, which does things at a very cheap cost. Ah, so they're leveraging like, the resources around them. Oh my gosh. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> there you go. Just yeah, just and that's and I told them, I said, you were smart the fact that you found the resources that you could do it and at a very cheap cost. And all of a sudden people were asking them, like, how are you doing this? And they'd say, Well, hey, we're using the print shop on campus at a very reduced cost, what have you. So always look at what your costs are, how can you give a really good product for a decent price? Um, that That's a big thing to start out. Just how can you, I guess, reduce your outgoing expenses to make the best chance for you to generate revenue? I, I, great advice. And I think that when we're talking about which, you know, um, what is it that you need to know? Um, what is it that you have to be mindful besides your cost 
I think there's mm-hmm. also something said about the fact it's planning. Uh, you know, what, what are you doing? And that's, you know, what is your path and how much are you going to deviate from your path? Um, there's also sometimes trending where, where people really don't know what they want to do. They, they get excited and it's bright and shiny and they go do it or that that's the topic area they're going to focus on. And then they switch. Uh, and because they think there's more money to be made on this other side of the fence and then they switch again. And then I think that impacts their brand because you don't know what they're going to do next. Uh, and I think you're, you know, being able to vet out some of that, I think with the students and, and my guess is that someone's going to continue the business after they graduate, or at least you hope, I would think, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have a group right now that um, they're doing custom T-shirts, and uh, they're doing extremely well with their business, too. And kind of the same thing. They'll buy packets of, like, I don't know, cheap T-shirts, but they're, they specialize in making a unique logo or whatever that you want on that particular shirt. Mm-hmm. And then they actually put the money down on a decent i don't know what what the machine is that puts the actual logo or something on the shirt but that's the one part where they kind of splurged a little bit but not too much to get something that would actually generate a good product Mm -hmm. and there have been enough students on campus wearing their product that they're like oh where'd you get that who made that they're like oh yeah it's that group of kids in entrepreneurship and so they've got a little they've got a pretty good run with uh reputation and word of mouth on campus too but yeah, it's looking at just, again, those startup expenses is a big thing. It's the planning part of it. So I think that um, planning, it sounds like planning never ends. And, at, you know, mm-hmm. I always say plan the work and work the plan. Make sure mm-hmm. that you have that plan. But you can start a business without actually having a full-fledged working plan, but you've got to get to the point where you're going to have a plan, uh, especially when we're talking about long-term and planning, which... Uh, that will be definitely a whole other show because I think when we talk about legacy and what that looks like, um, there's a whole other discussion about how you can hand off a business um, and or or sell a business or be part of a franchise. But I think right now when we're talking about these small business, I don't think small business is going away. I think even in recession time that we see more small businesses start up. And that's what we saw actually during even COVID. That's where the spike, and I know it's leveling, leveling out a little bit now, but uh, it's obviously um, people are still wanting to venture out and work for themselves and become leaders within their own organizations. Um, yeah. Biggest piece of advice. And I still repeat this over and over in my head. Hopefully I get it right. Uh, the same guy who urges students to make your mistakes young and he's at the point in his life, like I said, he started doggy daycare, a doggy daycare business uh, up in Cleveland. He also runs two co-working spaces in Northeast Ohio. He's doing well in that arena as well. And he's generating a lot of revenue. But he tells students, the one thing you want to keep in mind as you're starting your business, he said, you want to get to the point where you're working on your nut, or what did he say? You want to work on on your business, not in your business. Ah. And he's at the point in life right now where he's working on it, not in it. He, When he starts out, he said he was one of those people that was putting in 18, 20 hours a day. When he started the doggy daycare where he was a guy who was unlocking the door in the morning and locking up at night. And now he's able to like rely on good help 
to open and close for him. And he can like, he can't be at all his locations at once. So now he, he's at the point where he can hire people to run each place or be the manager or whatnot. So working on the business instead of in it is kind of like the big goal for people when they start up to get to that point where you get so successful that you can kind of let someone else oversee it a little bit while you supervise. That's, that's a great advice. And I think that's, uh, there's probably individuals listening. They're saying, you know, that's going to be me one day and it yeah. can, and it can be, it can be uh, trust and uh, building a good brand and being able to recruit great associates to work with you. And I, I, can say I can attest to that. That makes a big difference. Um, so. Even still, even still, though, I mean, I'm sure like there's that point where you still get a little scared about handing things off or mm-hmm. temporarily trusting someone else to run your business while you're gone or away. Like, I mean, Kim and I were the same way. Like when we take a day off or two days off, or like when we've gone on trips before, we've had other people run the bar. Like. We're, we constantly get nervous, like about our phone blowing up, about a horse having an accident or something. But, you know, that's part of your training process. Like, who do you bring up as the next level to, you know, help help you take over, help take over the business? You can't be afraid of that expression of, hey, you're always going to train the person who's going to take your job. Well, in this kind of situation, you want that to happen. You want someone to be so good hey, they might take over your business or maybe they start their own. Okay, so go. what? There you, you go. You became, a, you became a great person by making someone successful, you know? Well, I also would believe, too, great entrepreneurs uh, yeah. typically have different ideas and go off. And I, many of the entrepreneurs that I work with don't have just one business. They have a number of them. And I think mm-hmm. that that uh, speaks volumes. So, well, I can't thank you enough, Dr. Strugel. This has been wonderful speaking with you today. Uh, I, I, you know, I think the last, that last thought there, if anybody could, you know, take that in and hone in on it, that the working of that working, not uh, in your business, but for your business. I mean, it's great advice. And, mm-hmm. and- thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's something we try and think about a lot because it's so easy when you start up and Kim and I, we've oftentimes we've talked about, Oh my gosh, we need a day off because the burnout factor (laughs) that can be real. And sometimes you think about that and that's just even more incentive to say, Hey, let's get someone else who can, you know, help us out from time to time to get a breather and just step back and say, okay, what are we doing? Right. What are we doing right here? What, where can we get better at this? How can we Mm -hmm. streamline the process or something? So, yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for that. I think, and good luck with that. I need to come and uh, catch up and see those horses. Uh, that's going to be exciting to see that. So thank you, you so much. Yeah, you and the team at Mason Associates, you're all welcome to come out. Oh, that sounds exciting. Are we, we might take you up. We might Company take you up. retreat. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So again, thank you so much. And uh, I joining me today, I want to thank everybody for listening uh, also, to remember uh, always to get straight to the topic points, you know, strengthen your awareness and what you're doing. And this ultimately will help sharpen your mind. The Pen Leader Podcast is hosted by Dr. Shanda Gore and brought to you by Mason Associates LTD. 
creating customized solutions for growth in the areas of leadership development, strategic planning, and culture building. Find out more at www.maysassociatesltd.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pin Leader Podcast and share with others.